Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 20, we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man, the Messiah, the Savior, and the King. We're coming to the final week of Jesus' life and ministry before he goes to the cross. He's going to die and rise again. He's going to pay for sins and conquer death. He has just entered Jerusalem, offered himself as the King of Israel for the final time. He was fulfilling Zechariah 9-9 as he entered the city riding on a donkey. The disciples began to shout. If you remember, they were saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. They were saying, Hosanna, which means save us. Hosanna, son of David, they shouted that the king was coming. Now, remember the religious leaders? They rejected Jesus, and they even told Jesus, tell your people to be quiet. Well, last time we saw as Jesus Jesus entered, he went into the temple and removed those who were selling in the court. This was the second time that Jesus had cleansed the temple. He did one at the very first of the ministry, and now he does it at the very end of the ministry. This morning, we're going to continue to see the rejection of Jesus Christ by the religious leaders. They do not want him to be the king. They don't want him to rule. They don't want him to be the Messiah or the Savior. Jesus gives a parable showing their rejection and and, and the judgment that will come. Now, as we see the parable, it's really a picture of God's chosen people, and that's what it happens. In fact, as we read it and look at it, they understood it. In fact, at the end of the passage, it says they knew that he spoke this parable against them. We see this parable. It's a picture of God's people, Israel, rejecting their Messiah and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the judgment that was to come. So it's pretty powerful. As we study this morning, we want to continue seeing this, this rejection of Jesus. Well, I think one of the great verses of all times, of course, one of the great verses in the Bible is John 3.16. It's one of the most famous verses. Is God so loved the world that he gave gave his only begotten son at exactly the right time God sent forth his son in this world to be the Messiah and the Savior Philippians chapter 2 says he left the glories of heaven to become a person to be obedient to death even the death of the cross the son of God left the father to become the Savior of mankind was powerful but and we realize how great that is but there is something sad but true and that is this when Jesus came as the Messiah and the king to the nation of Israel the nation as a whole rejected him. John 1.11 says he came into his own and his own received him not. When Jesus Christ came to Israel to offer to them that he was the Messiah and the Savior they rejected him. And we continue to see in our study of the Gospel of Luke Jesus offered himself to the nation. He offered himself that final time as he came in just a couple of weeks ago as we saw him coming in on the donkey and they continue to reject him. This morning Jesus gives a parable to show their rejection. And as this parable was easily understood especially by the religious leaders and when they saw the parable, they realized it was against them, and they knew it. In fact, he said that there's going to be judgment, and he made a statement in there which, which bothered them greatly. It said he was going to give the responsibility to others. We'll talk about what that means as we go through the passage. So may we put this together as we study the passage. Let's begin. Now, Jesus has entered the city for the final time. Rejection by the religious leaders. They even told him, tell your people to be quiet. From this point on, in fact, we're going to see the final week, beginning in chapter 20 through chapter 24 is really the final week of Jesus' life. We see him go to the cross. We see him die on the cross, pay for sin, rise again, and then walk on the earth really 40 days after that. But we see this final week in most of these chapters. And there, in this little section there are five confrontations five times in which the religious leaders and jesus there's a confrontation there let me give give them to you and remind you what they are we saw this one last week jesus authority to teach and heal he went into the temple he cleansed the temple and he was teaching they come up to him and they ask him the question basically say who gives you the right to do that we saw that last time this morning is the parable of the vineyard and that's really a parable to show that the nation of israel has rejected the messiah especially the religious leaders next week we're going to actually see three and four we're going to see the issue of taxes 
where they come to him and say, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? They're trying to trick him. They think they got him. And then the next group comes up, the question concerning resurrection. It's some of the Sadducees who didn't believe in resurrection, and they tried to come up with some stupid story. That's what they really did to see if they could trick him. And then the last one is going to be a question about the son of David, where Jesus actually turns to them and says, let me ask you a question, and we'll see what happens there. These confrontations continue to grow until Jesus is arrested and tried and crucified. Last time we saw the first confrontation. It was where Jesus' authority to teach and to heal. Remember, he had gone uh, basically into the temple area. He cleansed the temple, ran the people out, and was teaching daily. In fact, chapter 19, verse 47 says, He was teaching daily in the temple. He was showing his authority as the Messiah, the Savior, and the King. They wanted him dead. In fact, it says at the end of the verse of 1947 that they were trying to destroy him. They didn't want him. You've got to understand this, that Jesus is causing trouble to the religious leaders. Religious leaders have their position. Rome is in control. Rome tells them everything. But Rome has allowed the Jewish people to have their religion. They've allowed the Jewish people to have their leaders. And so these religious leaders, they've still got it made. They got the money. They got the power. They got the position. They don't want Jesus coming in causing problems. And that's what he's doing. People are beginning to follow Jesus. They're talking about Jesus being the Messiah. The religious leaders over and over have rejected him. And we saw it last time when he came into the city. They rejected him. Well, they come. Last time we we looked at the passage, started at chapter 20 last week, and we saw that they went to him to challenge his authority. And they did it in two ways. First, they asked two questions. They said, by what authority are you doing this? And from whom did you get this authority? Now, when they said, by what authority are you doing this, they could be saying, are you coming as a prophet? Are you coming as a priest? Are you coming as a king? Now, Jesus could have answered it this way. He could have said, I'm coming as a prophet because not only do I speak the word of God, I am the word of God. He, said I, he could have said, I'm coming as a priest because I'm offering myself as the final sacrifice for sin forever. He could have said, I'm coming as the king because I'm the greater son of David, as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He didn't say any of that. When they asked the second question about from whom did you get this authority, from God or man, he could have said, I got it from God, I came, I came from God the Father, I have come to do the will of the Father, and he is the one who gives me authority. He could have answered that way, but he didn't answer that way at all. He asked them a question. Instead of answering their questions, he asked them a question, and the question had to do with John the Baptist, and here was his question. He said, John the Baptist's ministry, was he from God or was he from man? Now, the religious leaders are in trouble as soon as he asked that question. Because, see, they thought they were going to get Jesus. And this is what they did over and over. They would come up and they would go, what about this? And they thought they'd make him look foolish. And he would do something. And then they would look foolish. And they'd look around and go, whose idea was it to go up there? You know. And so now, here's this group. They've asked him this question, by what authority and by whom and all this. And he says, let me ask you a question. And the implication is, if you answer my question, I'll answer your question. And the question was, was John the Baptist from God or from man? Now, they're in trouble, and here's why. First, if they said from God, if they say he's from God, Jesus will say, well, why didn't you believe in him? Because he pointed out Jesus, and he said that Jesus was from God, and they would have to believe that Jesus was the Messiah because John the Baptist said that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So if they said John the Baptist was from God, they would have to say that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't want to do that. So they got another alternative. What if they say he was from man? Then the people would stone them because all the people believed that John was a prophet from God. So they're stuck. They can't say he's from God because then they'll have to believe in Jesus. They can't say he's from man. The people will get him. And so you remember what they did? They looked at Jesus and said, we don't know. And so Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you 
where I got my authority. Now they already knew. He got his authority from God. He came representing the Father. He came into the world and said, I did not come to do my will, but the will of the Father. And so when he ended that, if you notice that chapter 20, verse 8, Jesus said to them, nor will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now from this, you've got to remember that these religious leaders came to Jesus and there's these crowds all around. Everybody's there for Passover. Passover is just a few days away. That's the days Jesus is going to die on the cross. He's going to die on the cross on Passover. And so all the people are there to celebrate the feast and these religious leaders are talking to Jesus and the crowd is there and they're listening to what's happening. So as soon as Jesus says that to them he says i'm not going to tell you what authority he then turns to the crowd and says let me tell you a parable and that's what he's going to do and the people are listening to this so just remember this is not just a couple of people talking they're in the temple area there's huge crowds listening to whatever jesus teaches we already saw back in chapter 19 it said they hung on every word that he said so when jesus says something the people are going Wow, wow, boy, he teaches with authority. And so these religious leaders, thinking they were going to look sharp, said, by what authority, by who? And he says, answer my question. And they can't answer it. So he says, I'm not going to tell you. And then he looks to the crowd and says, let me tell you this story. Now, the parable, of course, is, to, is, is a story that is used to teach a truth. And Jesus taught in parables a lot. He wants them to realize that the religious leaders are rejecting him. And they have rejected him. And there's going to be judgment. Now, there's a great truth here. That not only did the religious leaders reject him, but the nation as, as a whole rejected Jesus Christ. And that's, that's where we are. Let me break down the passage for you. I want you to see the passage. First of all, the parable of the vineyard is verses 9 uh, through 16 in this. We see the owner rents out the vineyard. We're going to talk about what it is in just a minute. The owner sends servants to collect. The owner sends his own son because they reject these others. The, the vine growers actually kill the son. And so the response by the owner is going to bring judgment. That that's the parable. I want you to understand this. They understood what it meant. Part two, when we get to it, is Jesus then explains the the rejection. He talks about that he's the cornerstone and he talks about the coming judgment and you know they knew it immediately and so the response by the religious leaders in verse 19 is they wanted to kill Jesus. And so they understood exactly this. Now we may read this parable and we go, wow, I think I'm getting it, I think I'm getting it. But let me tell you, they understood it immediately. They knew that Jesus was talking about them. He's turned to the crowd and he says that the owner of the vineyard hired out some vine growers. The vine growers are going to be the religious leaders. And he tells the story. And the people grasp it, and we'll see how it fits together. Let's, this morning we see the, 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 the parable of the vineyard. This is the second of the big confrontations. And as we see this, this is the rejection of Jesus by the religious leaders, the nation of Israel, and the coming judgment. Look at verse 9. And he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey for a long time. Now, you remember what a parable is. He's been teaching the people. If you go back to chapter 20, verse 1, it says, On the days while Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel. What Jesus would do this final week, just remember, he came into the city riding on the donkey. I told you this last week. He came into the city, went to the temple, looked around, left, went back out of the city, spent the night in Bethany with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. The next day he comes into the temple again, cleanses the temple, runs everybody out, and from that point on, daily, he is teaching in the temple during the day. At night, he leaves and goes back. And best we can tell, he probably stayed with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So he's in the temple during the day. While he's in the day, the day t- teaching, that's when they came and asked him those questions. And that's when he did the thing about John the Baptist. Now he looks out at the crowd and says, I'm going to give you a parable. 
And he had taught many times. And they knew that a parable was a story. That's what it is. It's, it's a story. It comes from the Greek word parabole. Parabole is two words. Para, which means beside. Bole means to throw. So a parable is something thrown beside to prove a point. So what a parable really is, it's a little story to teach something. It says, I'm going to give you this so you can understand the truth. And so Jesus says, he began to tell this parable. Now notice the parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it out to vine growers, and went on a journey for a long time. Now, to understand this, let me break it down for you just so you'll understand what's going on in the parable. First of all, the man in the parable, when it says the man, there was a man who planted a vineyard, the man is God the Father. That's the Father. The second thing is the the, vine, the vineyard is the nation of Israel. It's his people. When it says the man planted a vineyard and rented it out, it's saying God chose his people, Israel, and set them apart. Then the third thing that we'll see as we go through this, the vine growers. The vine growers are the religious leaders. Notice it says he, rent, he rented it out to the vine growers and went on a journey for a long time. The vine growers' job is to take care of the vineyard. It's the religious leaders' responsibility to take care of the nation. They were to be the leaders. They were to know the Bible. They were to lead. They were to look for the Messiah. They were to do all the right things. So we've got God the Father taking the nation of Israel, giving the religious leaders. Then we see there's going to be some servants. The servants are going to be the prophets. We'll see it. God sent his prophets to his own people with messages, and as a whole, they continued to reject them. The next one is the son, and of course the son in the parable is Jesus Christ himself. It's the father sending the son. And then what do we see? We see what do the vine growers do? They reject the son, and they kill him. That's exactly what the religious leaders are going to do. Just as Jesus telling what's going to happen for whatever happens. And then the last part is, what will the father do? What will the owner of the vineyard do? It will be judgment on the vine growers. It will be judgment on the religious leaders. So what we have here is this. It's a picture of God choosing his nation Israel, giving the religious leaders to oversee, sending prophets throughout history with messages, and most of the time they reject the messages of the prophets. And then at exactly the right time, God the Father sending the Son, Jesus Christ, to come to his own people. Jesus came into his own, and his own received him not. We see the rejection. What did they do? They kill him. And then the question is, what will the Father do to these religious leaders in the nation? And we'll see there's a judgment. So that's the parable. Let me give it to you. We'll go through it verse by verse, and we'll see it, but that's exactly what the story is. Now, I want you to understand something. The people listening, two things. The religious leaders, they knew he was talking about them. And the people as a whole understood that, that Jesus was saying God was going to remove the responsibility of the Jewish people. Remove their responsibility. We're going to see how they reacted at the end here in just a second. So look at the parable. He, verse 9 again. He began to tell the people this parable. A man rented a vineyard, uh, planted a vineyard and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey for a long time. The man, of course, is God, choosing his nation, his people, Israel, and he rented it out to the vine growers. That's the religious leaders. They have a responsibility. Well, what happened? Verse 10. At the harvest time... He sent a slave to the vine growers so that they would give him some of the produce of the vineyard. But the vine growers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Now, at the harvest, and the nation was supposed to produce fruit. The nation was to point people to the Messiah. That's what they were to do, and they were the servants of the living God. In the same way that today we know Jesus Christ as Savior, we're to point people to Christ and, and salvation. The nation of Israel was to point people to the Messiah and the living God, the true God. Well, they're supposed to have fruit. And so he says he sends one of his slaves to the, to the vine growers. 
growers so that they would give him some of the produce. But the vine growers beat him, sent him away empty-handed. Now, the slave there is a picture of the, of the prophet. See, God throughout history had sent the prophets. We call them the Old Testament prophets. They would come. They would come with a message from God. Now, you remember what happened as a whole. The nation of Israel was told that they are to live in the land, they are to obey the Scripture, they are to live for God, they are to do the right things, they are to worship God and Him only. And what they would do is they turned away from God. They didn't obey the law. They worshiped false gods. And so what God would do would send prophets. And the prophets would come and they would give the message and they would say, Thus says the Lord. But most of the time the nation of Israel rejected the prophets sent from God and they would mistreat them and so this first one says that they uh, they uh, send him they beat him and send him away empty-handed all throughout the Old Testament that's what we see realize through the history God would send over and over the prophets with a message to turn the nation back to God but they would reject it so look what happens he sent another one verse 11 he proceeded to send another slave and they beat him also and treated him shamefully and send him away empty-handed now here's a picture of sending more prophets but they send another one and they beat him also and treated him shamefully the word shamefully means they dishonored him well that's what they did over and over you think about what happened with elijah and elisha and isaiah and jeremiah and and even habakkuk and all those as they would come the nation as a whole would reject them think about the time of elijah and there he is. He, he's, the whole nation is turning their worship in Baal, which is a, a false god, the god of the sky. That's who Baal was. That's why Elijah prayed, and it wouldn't rain for three and a half years because Baal was the god of the sky. And Elijah said, Baal doesn't control the sky. God controls the sky. It's not going to rain for three and a half years. That's why it didn't rain for three and a half years. So, And they mistreated him. Tried to kill him over and over again. So they sent the second slave and they treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. They dishonored him. So he sent a third one. Verse 12. He proceeded to send a third. And this one also they wounded and cast out. Now the word wounded is the word traumatizo in Greek. We get the word trauma from it. It's the word that to hit, to hit, to hurt, to, to cause damage. Over and over, they continued to reject the messengers that God would send. As the people were listening to the parable, what do you think they're thinking? They're going, boy, they hadn't picked it up yet. And they're going, ooh, those vine growers are bad. They're bad people. They, they, I mean, here's the man who owns the vineyard, and he sends his workers to get stuff, and they just beat them up and throw them out. And that's exactly what Israel did to God's messengers. So look what happens next. Verse 13. The owner of the vineyard said... What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. Now, the owner says, what shall I do? Now, you know, he's, the owner is God the Father. And we didn't see, God doesn't go, ooh, what shall I do next? God knows his plan. But in the parable, it says, the owner says, well, what am I going to do? I think I'll send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. They will honor him. He's sending my son. Literally, it says, my only Son. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds like the great truth that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus is telling the story, and he's saying he's going to send his only son. And uh, uh, here's that picture. In fact, we see it's the picture of God sending his son, Jesus Christ, from the world. That's why God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so here's Jesus looking at all these people and saying, Perhaps I'll send my only son, my special son, my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. They will not shame him, but honor him. Well, we know that God loved the world, and he sent Jesus into this earth. And so what happened? What happened when Jesus came? 
We know that the nation of Israel, all throughout the years, as the prophets of God would come, as the messengers of God would come, as the servants of God would come, they'd reject them. And then at a point in time in history, John uh, Galatians 4.4, 4, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son. Here he comes to this earth. He comes to the nation of Israel. He begins his ministry. As John the Baptist pointing them out, John the Baptist is saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king's here. Jesus came and said, repent for the king's here. Jesus said, the kingdom's in your midst. He comes into Jerusalem riding on the donkey. People are saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. He is coming as their Messiah, their Savior and King. And what did they do? Jesus is going to show exactly what they're going to do. They're going to kill him. That's what they've been wanting to do. If you go back to chapter 19, they want to destroy him. We're going to see at the, at the end of this passage, in verse 19 of this passage, we're going to see that it says they wanted to lay hands on him and kill him. That's their plan. And so what does Jesus say happens? He's going to send his son. Perhaps they will respect him. And what, what happened? Look at verse 14. But when the vine growers saw him, They reasoned with one another, saying, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that the inheritance will be ours. Now, in the parable, he says, The vine growers saw the sun was coming, and they made this plan. They said, He's the heir. Now, see, here's the old man, the old father. He's going to die eventually. And his son comes. He's the heir. But if we kill the heir, we'll get to to keep the property. Because in that day and time, if people were renting out the land, and the people died who owned it, and there was nobody left, they got to keep the land. So they're saying, the dad's going to die eventually. Here comes the son. We'll just kill him. We'll take the property. What that really is saying is the religious leaders were saying, we don't want God to rule over us. We don't want the Son of God to rule over us. We want to be the rulers. And that's what we've seen all through the the ministry of Christ. The reason the religious leaders did not want Jesus to be the Messiah is they did not want to lose their positions. You understand that the Romans controlled the world. The Romans controlled Israel. But they allowed them to have their rulers and their leaders. And so these Jewish religious leaders had all the power. They could do whatever they wanted. They didn't want to give that up. And here's Jesus coming as the Messiah. And I think they think who he is. They they realize who he is. But they say, we don't want him. We've got to get rid of him. And so Jesus in the parable says, the vine growers saw him. They reasoned with one another saying, this is the heir. Let's kill him so that the inheritance will be ours. The religious leaders said, let's kill him. And look at verse 15. So in the parable, they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? It said they threw him out of the vineyard. Do you realize Jesus was crucified outside of the city of Jerusalem? And Jesus paints this picture of the rejection by his coming death in the hand, at the hands of the religious leaders. Now about this time, probably, the people are beginning to go, Whoa, you know who he's, you know who he's talking about? You know, he's talking about us. He's talking about them. And who do you think the religious leaders? They're going, he's talking about us. He's calling us. He says we're those people. The people begin to pick it up. And so he says, they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He's saying, what's going to happen to these people who rejected the Messiah? And look what he says. He will come, verse 16, and destroy these vine growers and will give the vineyard to others. We'll talk about who the others are in just a second. And look at the reaction. When they heard it, and this is the people, not just the religious leaders. This is the people. When they heard it, they said, may it never be. Very strong statement. He says that when they reject the Messiah, 
there's going to be judgment. He's going to come and he's going to take the responsibility away from the nation of Israel and the religious leaders and give it to somebody else. And how did they respond to that? No way. In fact, may it never be is the strongest negative you can put in the Greek language. In English, it just says like, oh, may it never happen. In the Greek, if you read that, they're saying, no way, that's not going to happen. They're angry. They're saying, you're not going to let that, and we're not going to let that happen. That's what the people are saying. See, they couldn't perceive that these religious leaders who they thought were the sharpest, best, would be removed from positions. See, because when Jesus would make a statement like, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, the average guy would go, how can anybody be better than those guys? And here's Jesus saying, they're going to lose their responsibility, and you too. And the people are going, no way, we're not going to let that happen. Who are these others? Well, you know what we found out? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again, walked on the earth for 40 days, he ascended into heaven. Ten days after that, the Holy Spirit came down and formed what we call the church, the body of Christ. Jews and Gentiles who believe in Christ as Messiah and Savior, who have trusted in him, he takes the church, the body of Christ, and he is now using the church. Now let me tell you what he did. He took the nation of Israel. As he says in this, he will give the responsibility to others. He took the nation of Israel, which he had chosen, which he said, you will be my light unto the world, you'll do all this. He takes them And he moves them over here and sets them aside. He then takes us, the body of Christ, Jews and Gentiles who believe in Jesus. We come together to form what is called the church, the body of Christ. And he says, now you have the responsibility to proclaim the message of Christ. You're to do what Israel was supposed to do when they rejected the Messiah. So we have the privilege and responsibility now to do this. Now I want you to understand something. God's not through with his people. One of these days when Jesus Christ comes in the clouds, we call that the rapture. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him. Then church, the body of Christ, will be taken off the face of the earth to meet Jesus in the clouds. The Bible tells us that. What's going to happen after we're gone, God is going to go back to his people, and he's going to say to them, now you will fulfill your responsibility. In the book of Revelation chapter 7, it says that when the tribulation begins and the church is gone, God will choose 144,000 Jewish people who will believe in Jesus and begin the ministry. 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. So God is not through with his people. When he tells, even in this parable, that he rejects, the, he basically he kills the, the, the leaders, the religious leaders, and, and gives it to someone else, the others is us. But once we're gone, he's coming back to them because God has not cast away his people and never will cast away his people. That's what's going to happen. Jesus teaches the judgment's coming on the leaders and they lose their responsibilities. How did they react to this? They said, no way. May it never be. This is not going to happen. They just didn't want it to happen. So Jesus is going to have to explain something to them. And this is part two. He explains this rejection. Look at verse 17. But Jesus looked at them and said, what then is this that is written? And he's going to quote from Psalm 118, verse 22. It says, the Stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. Now let me tell you something. They know Psalm 118. In fact, when Jesus was coming into the city and they were saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, that's Psalm 118. 
They just got through singing Psalm 118. It's called a psalm of, of a sense. It's a psalm that they would sing when they would come for the feast. This is one of them. And so he then quotes to them a psalm they would know. He says, what is this that is written then? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief corner stone. So he's quoting Psalm 118, and the stone which the builders rejected is the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone is Jesus Christ. See, the stone that they rejected, like a cornerstone was the main stone in a building. And when they got ready to build a building, sometimes they had to have the cornerstone which would put the wall, and that would be the foundation stone. It would be the main thing. But what they're saying is, we had the cornerstone, Jesus, and the builders, religious leaders, came and said, well, we don't want that stone, and they moved it away. And then they later realized, finally, that that stone which they rejected is the chief stone. The one that they have rejected, Jesus, is the Messiah and Savior. And he's quoting Psalm 118 to tell them, you're going to reject me, and I'm the main stone. Wow. And then he says something that is really powerful. Verse 18. Everyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, but whoever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. Now what he's going to do is show the picture of what it's like either accepting or rejecting Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And when he says, whoever falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. To fall on the stone is to come to Jesus as Messiah and Savior. And you have to be broken to come. You'll be broken when you come. You have to realize that you and yourself can't do anything to get to heaven. It's not what you do. It's not what you're going to try to do. It's none of that. You're broken. You say, there's nothing in myself to save me. And you come to God that way. Whoever falls on the stone, you'll be broken. But notice, whoever it falls, which is the people who reject him, it crushes, they will, he will scatter them like dust. And that's exactly what happened to the nation of Israel as a whole. They rejected the Messiah. And what happened to them? In A.D. 70, now Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again about the year 33, 34. He walked on earth for 40 days, sent into heaven. Then the church began, and then the persecution began. And by A.D. 70... Rome came, to Is- came into Jerusalem and leveled the city and tore down the temple and scattered the Jewish people all over the world. And that temple has never been built back. He scattered them. That's the judgment. They're going to come back one day. In fact, they're coming back to the land now. That's the dry bones passage of Ezekiel. They're coming back now, but not in belief. One day they will. And so to believe in the Messiah, you're broken. To reject the Messiah... You're crushed by the stone. He then gives the last part, which is, what? Do the, how do these people respond? How do you think they're going to respond? How did they respond when Jesus entered the city? They said, tell your people to shut up. How did they respond when Jesus healed somebody? They said, you're doing it from the power of the devil. How are they going to respond when Jesus gives this parable? Look at verse 19. The scribes and the chief priests tried to lay hands on him that very hour. They wanted to get him right then. And they feared the people. For they understood that he spoke this parable against them. How was their response? They wanted to kill him. Why? Because they understood. They understood that he spoke the parable against them. They knew it was about them. You can see him saying, you know what he's saying? He's saying he's God, he's the Messiah, and we're rejecting him, and we're going to kill him, and we're going to kill him right now. They're going to fulfill the prophecy. They're going to do exactly what he said. He said, you're going to kill me. They're over there saying, I tell you what, we hate him. You know what we're going to do? We're going to kill him. And you can see Jesus saying, see, I told you. That's exactly what's going to happen. Jesus denounces the religious leaders, showing their rejection of him as Messiah 
and Savior and King. Now, next time, there are going to be two more confrontations because they're mad. So they send some Pharisees. And the Pharisees come up and say, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And they think they got him. No, if he says yes or no, they got him either way. That's what they think. Well, they don't. So then they send Sadducees up there, and the next one is about resurrection because the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection, and they make up a ridiculous story thinking that they're going to trick him, and they don't. And then they have to turn around and go, oh, my, whose idea? And then we see Jesus ask them a question. So next time, two more confrontations. What have we seen? Jesus gives this parable showing the rejection of the religious religious leaders. He shows the owner of the, the vineyard, rents it out to the vine growers. He sends the servants. That's the prophets. They mistreat them. He sends his son. They kill him. There's rejection. So he judges the vine owners and, and uh, vine uh, growers and gives it to the Gentiles, gives it to the church. And then Jesus says that he's the cornerstone who will be killed. And the religious leaders right then say, we want to kill him because he's talking about us. Let me give you some applications. The first one is this. Understand the rejection of Jesus by the religious leaders in the nation of Israel. Just understand that. That's, that's exactly the Old Testament said it was going to happen. When we see when Jesus comes, we see overall they reject him. A, Jesus came from the Father as the Messiah, the Savior, and the King. He was sent from the Father. He came to do the will of the Father. He came as the Messiah. He came as the Savior and the King. Understand in this, that Israel has always rejected God's servant, going all the way back to the prophets when they would come, they rejected them, and when the Son, Jesus Christ, came, they rejected them. So, see, God judged Israel and gave the responsibility to others. The responsibility to others is us, but one thing to remember, God is not through with his people. When you study the book of Romans, you see that plainly. When you study the Old Testament, when you study the, uh, the, the, uh, the whole idea of the tribulation, you will find that God will bring his people back. In fact, sometime, go to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, and you see God's plan for his people. It all fits together. It's perfect. The second application. Realize the results of accepting and rejecting Jesus. Think about this. A, all who believe, you come broken, you have, Messiah, you have Jesus as Messiah and the Savior, you come offering nothing, you just come and say, I trust in Jesus and Him alone, you have eternal life, and He saves you. B, all who reject Him, you'll be crushed by the stone. There's judgment. In fact, all who do not believe in Jesus Christ will be separated from God for. Ever. That's why it is so important that people believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. I, I know a lot of you, in fact, I know almost all of you in this room, but let me just say this. If you have never understood the message of salvation, salvation is not you being good or going to church or getting baptized or trying to live a good life. Salvation is in Jesus and Him alone. He died on the cross. He paid for sin and rose again. When you believe in Him, you trust in Him and Him alone, He gives you eternal life. It is not your works or your goodness. You come broken. You come say, there's nothing I can give to Him. I'm trusting Him and Him alone. He gives you eternal life and you are saved forever. If you do not trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, you'll be separated from Him forever. So I hope and pray that everyone in this room has trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. You can trust Him right where you're sitting. It's not an altar call. It's not something you've got to do. It is simply your faith 
in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. The last thing I want you to think about is let's be faithful to proclaim Jesus as Messiah, Savior, and King. Right now, the responsibility to proclaim the message belongs to us, the church, the body of Christ. We'll have a particular time until he takes us off the face of the earth and he goes back to Israel. While we have the responsibility, let's be faithful. Let's be faithful to tell people about Jesus and to tell them that he is indeed the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So let's be ready to do that. Because of Israel's rejection of Jesus, we have the responsibility to proclaim Jesus Christ, knowing that all who believe in him have eternal life, and all who reject him will be separated forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for this parable. Thank you for Jesus' teaching. Lord, may we understand the rejection of Jesus by the religious leaders, how he came from the Father, how that they have rejected not only the prophets but the Son as well, and how that God then judged Israel and gave the responsibility to us, the body of Christ. Lord, we realize that anyone who comes to him being broken, trusting in him and him alone, they have eternal life, but all those who reject him will be crushed, be judged. Lord, as believers, as those who are the body of Christ, I pray that we'll be faithful now because we have the responsibility that we'll be faithful to tell people about Jesus. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.